Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies pod, we're going to be talking with our guy, Herb Lawrence, from CHGO White Sox about the big shakeup going on down on the south side of Chicago with the White Sox. We'll talk about our prospects of the week, as always. And this week, we're kicking off with DNVR Rank's top 25 greatest athletes in the four major sports in Denver history. And so all week, we're going to look at things from a Rocky standpoint, and we'll talk about the top five defunct minor league affiliates for the Colorado Rockies. Not all the teams that they've been paired with over the years are still around. Some of them are. We're not going to include those. But we got some uh, some cool logos. We'll get Super Producer Tiff's opinion on what these logos look like. Was this a was it a misstep? Would you like to own a piece of merchandise with that? What have you? We'll preview the the Atlanta series, all that, and 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 so much more. But of course, let's jump into our prospects of the week. We got Hunter Goodman. Look, he made his debut on Sunday. Still doesn't mean he wasn't the best player uh, at Albuquerque. Hit 588, unbelievable four home runs, 11 RBI. In his 15 games in AAA, keep this in mind, dude hit nine homers and recorded 33 RBI. Only five homers, uh, only five Rockies have hit that many homers all year, and one of them is currently with the Los Angeles Angels in C.J. Crone. In his 33 RBI, only five players on the Rockies have more, including the recently released Jerickson Profar. So the dude was raking in about a little over two weeks, deserved the call-up, earned it, really excited to talk with him down at the ballpark today on Monday, and we'll we'll bring you some co- of our conversation on Tuesday's show as well. Uh, everyone was hitting last week down in Albuquerque. Props to win Bernard and Jimmy Heron, uh, both hit a homer, four stolen bases against the Oklahoma City Dodgers, doing a really nice job there against uh, a team that's kind of been one of the best in the Pacific Coast League. Connor Siebel had a really good first start, which was solid. Not so much yesterday on Sunday. And Jeff Criswell had a, a one of those solid Pacific Coast League type starts. Didn't go too deep. Didn't give up too many runs. Wasn't dominant, but still. And double A for uh, the Hartford Yard Goats, Carson Palmquist. I'm not sure if you got a chance to go over to the DNVR Rockies account on Twitter, but you can see highlights of him striking out three, uh, excuse me, striking out eight during his seven innings performance. Did not give up a single run, only gave up four hits, walked one batter. The dude looks a lot like Kyle Freeland, even in some of his mannerisms, the way he kind of goes to his belt just a little bit after getting his strikeout, kind of coming in three quarters, arm length. Um, man, he he's very uh, uncanny look to Kyle Freeland. Connor Van Skoyak did a nice job with seven scoreless innings. Joe Buck, six innings pitched, two runs, seven Ks for him. Yard Goats only scored 13 runs this week, so offensively, not great. Drew Romo did score four times thanks to a 385 week at the play. Only struck out once in 13 at-bats. Sterling Thompson had three RBI. Colin Simpson was four for eight in three games. That was nice. Adele Amador, one of the Rockies' top prospects right now. He was promoted to AA Hartford, only 20 years old for Adele Amador. This is a guy that's come up as a shortstop. Probably need to transition over to second base. Is there a chance he could even play some third base? We'll kind of wait and see. It's wild to think that maybe this time next year, you could have a double play duel of Amador at second base, Tovar at shortstop. What happens to Brendan Rodgers? Again, all of this maybe will be uncovered and discovered this offseason. But Adel Amador, keep an eye on him. He's been really good. No one was really better last week at high A, Spokane. Then Anderson Pilar had those seven no-hit innings of work, 
walked three, struck out 13, and what ended up being a combined no-hitter. Brian Castillo got the final six outs in that no-no for Spokane. Jared Candy doing a nice job. So, again, another pitcher doing big things down with Spokane. Seven shutout innings for him. Lots of good starts for Spokane. On the hitter side, honorable mention to Nick Kent, who uh, batted 364 with two doubles and seven RBI. Didn't strike out a single time in 22 at bat. So he's putting the ball in play. He's been a nice find from them uh, in in uh, previous drafts. Robbie Martin, Jesus Ordonez had a really nice job at the plate. And then in low A, Connor Stain. We talked about him a lot last week with Stephen Rice, the voice of the Fresno Grizzlies. Six innings pitch, gave up a run. It was not earned. Struck out five. Didn't walk a batter. Did strike out eight. Michael Prosecchi also did a nice job. We'll give him an honorable mention. But Connor Stain doing big things. You hope that he gets an opportunity at high A, maybe at some point towards the end of the season where he can get uh, a start there, get his feet wet. Maybe you see him in double A at some point next year. So still a lot of really good arms in the rotation uh, down in the lower levels of the minors. Got to work to get them up a little bit higher so they can start to contribute to the uh, the Rockies at the big league level. At the plate, three guys were doing it. Andy Perez, once again, 438, a triple, three RBI, three stolen bases. Dion Jorge, not Dion George. We learned last week, not Dion George. Dion Jorge, five RBI, three stolen bases. And Kyle Karos doing a really nice job. One of those draft picks from this year's crop. He uh, did hit 375 with four walks and one strikeouts. You like to see that from him. And if you like to make sure you're getting your money back uh, and winning big, you can bet $1 and turn it into $200 in bonus bets. When you join Bet365, download the app, deposit $10, and claim your $200 in bonus bets as soon as you place a bet for only $1. Download Bet365 app and use code DNVR365 when you sign up. We've said it here many times. They're a proud partner of the Colorado Rockies. Beyond that, they've got so many live streaming events each and every year. They're getting close to a million uh, by the end of the year. So many users worldwide. They've pioneered live in-game betting, and they're doing it again with their baseball early payout offer. Instead of having to wait for the final three outs, or in some cases six or nine, for your bullpen to come through. If your team goes up by five runs or more on your bet, you are declared a winner according to the Bet365 Baseball Early Payout Offer. Same game Parlay and same game parlay selections will be marked as winner. So download the app and use code DNVR365 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Colorado. Please gamble responsibly if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Simply call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. Breckenridge Distillery, an official bourbon of the Denver Broncos. That's, look, the award-winning, the highest in the world, literally. Quite quite high, quite literally the highest up in Breckenridge. I'm not sure what the elevation is up there. If they're at 10,000, if they're more like 9,000. But still, they're also doing wonderful things. They're winning awards for just about everything you can. Uh, Whiskey Magazine you know, calls it one of the best locations to go and grab a bite to eat. Uh, take a look at what they've got going up there at the distillery. It's amazing. They've got so many award-winning spirits, and you know they offer an immersive guest experience. When you do go there, their products are available in all 50 states. So shop your local retailer or visit BreckenridgeDistillery.com for home delivery of award-winning Breckenridge spirits. Let's go ahead and welcome our buddy Herb Lawrence in from CHGO White Sox. Herb, look, we're both in the same boat here at the bottom of our respected divisions here. One of us probably is supposed to be, the other one not so much. How are you guys holding up there in Chicago right now? Well, White Sox fans have been fed up for a long time, especially because of the ownership. But, you know, 
I think this year there was some renewed hope maybe that the White Sox would do something because we were in a terrible division there, AL Central, where only one team's over 500 right now, and that's the Minnesota Twins. So we're like, this is not that hard of a division to win. Be close to 500 would be good. But, you know, White Sox fans are even more dismayed at how poorly this team has done just uh, having to win on Sunday to salvage a four-game set versus the worst team in baseball, the Oakland Athletics. Yeah, that was uh, that was a tough look. Also, kind of tough, and, and maybe I don't know if there's more information out there uh, in, in general, but this weekend, a strange event where there were two women with gunshot wounds that were at Guaranteed mm-hmm. Ray Field. Um, no one seems to know uh, what that's about. Uh, do you know anything about this? No, and it was like um, they still don't know what happened, how it happened, how a gun got into the building, but they have all but ruled out that it had to happen inside the stadium, the shoot, the shooting, because they don't see how a bullet could hit uh, Section 161 and uh, guaranteed rate. Um, but they don't have any answers. But this happened in the fourth inning on Friday, and – even though they didn't know where the shots came from, who perpetrated the shots, they didn't think there was an active shooter. And still on Monday, they have fewer questions, fewer answers and a lot more questions to go along with this. So CPD, Chicago Police Department and the White Sox are going hand to hand right now. And as far as like. Like, I don't know, they just don't know how to, you know, wrap this case up and there is no answers after a whole weekend of investigation, I say CPD is kind of like the White Sox right now. They're not batting very well. They're really fumbling the ball right now because they played two other games after this still with no answers. A person could still be getting into that building with a gun. That's what we know, that people got shot, as you said. Two ladies got shot. Don't know who the perpetrator is. Don't know how a gun got into there. And if you've ever been to Guaranteed Rate Field, you know the security and how to get in the game and how long it takes. It's thorough. So it had to be a mess up by somebody and or uh, oversight by somebody if a gun got in that building. Did anyone that uh, maybe Vinny is the only one, I'm not sure who's going down to the ballpark on a day-to-day basis, but were things a little bit tighter on Saturday and Sunday? Was the vibe a little bit different around there? Or is it kind of... uh... Status quo, in a sense, it might be might be sad to say it that way, but were, were anything, was anything different uh, this weekend at, at, after that incident? We asked Vinny yesterday on the show what, you know, what had been different on Saturday or Sunday. He said nothing really had changed as far as how he gets into the ballpark. Media gets in the ballpark different than actual uh, customers and fans, but no extra security checks. As I said, like they have literal people rummaging through your bags if you're a lady if you have a purse they're looking through your bags they're not just taking your word for it then you got to go through a a metal detector then you have to go through another place where it's not really security it's just making sure that you have your seats that are on your phone and you can be entered into the 100 section if you don't have 100 seats you cannot get into the 100 level at guaranteed great field it's the only ballpark that i've been to in the 20 i've been to that does that two times like double checks and so i we complain about as white Sox fans all the time and then when it fails ultimately like it did on friday we're like 
what's all the security for? We get into every other ballpark so easily, and they don't have shootings at their ballpark. And, of course, if we're talking to people who are in Denver, I'm sure they've gotten the national narrative of Chicago being very dangerous and shots being rang out here, especially on the south side. It couldn't be – I mean, there's truth, of course, to any big city that has some danger and some crime yeah. to it. But Chicago is not that. Chicago is pretty safe as far as uh, walking around, doing all that good stuff, especially at the ballpark usually. But that, yeah, was a scary incident. And then they just continued the game. The only bright spot that came out of this, they had a 90s concert that was supposed to go on after. It was going to be Tone Loke, uh, Rob Bass, and Vanilla Ice on the field, like a 90s throwback concert. That got canceled. So that's the only positive that happened. (laughs) What? Why are you sure throwing shade at, you don't want to hear Funky Cole Medina or anything like that? No, or the Ninja Rap. No, I'm good. I'm real good. Actually, he might still play that one. You're right. Yeah, Vanilla Ice actually was my first concert. Vanilla Ice uh, it was in Vogue and MC Hammer back in like 1991. Wow. Yeah, I, would, I'm old. Did, was Hammer the headliner? I would hope so, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was okay. uh, right when uh, Hammer Don't Hurt Him album dropped, and he was uh, on the top of his world. And then did In Vogue open? I mean, In Vogue has some bangers, but still at the time, I would have guessed Vanilla Ice was a little bit hotter. Yeah, it was in vogue, and then Vanilla Ice, and then Hammer, uh, UIC Pavilion back in the day. Yeah, it was uh, jumping. I was a 12, 11, 12-year-old 12 boy just having the time of my life. And then since I've grown up, I was like, mm, a little better music. Wow. All right. I'm Rob Basin. I came to get down. Well, exactly. I mean, that, that, that's obviously, you know, man, a, a black eye. Like you said. After everything that happened all last week, and, and it wasn't even just the firings, you go, things couldn't get worse. And it's like, no, no, let's talk about real humanity and people getting hurt and not feeling safe. And it's like, man, that's way worse than just did your team win or lose. Um, so let's let's talk about those, those nice things that we're able to uh, and speculate on. But Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Chicago White Sox, finally uh, made a decision, changed his mind, and said, yeah, you know, Kenny Williams and uh, Rick Hahn, general manager, it, it was time to to just move on from them. Curious if... Maybe if the Rockies had actually swept in Colorado on that Sunday, like two days before, if this wouldn't have like happened 24 hours earlier, uh, as it were, it, it happened about 48 hours uh, after that, where that became official. That uh, are you still reeling? It's now almost a week out. Is it still a surprise that Jerry Reinsdorf did that to two guys that has been so close to them, especially Kenny Williams, who he called like a son to him? Mm-hmm. It's been weird. Because there's multiple layers to this. Firstly, White Sox fans don't like Jerry Ryan sort of much at all. And then so that when that dropped on Tuesday, it was both a shock and like celebration. Not celebration that people are getting fired. It's just that accountability has finally made its way to 35th and Shields at Guaranteed Great Field. Because as you said, Kenny Williams has been with the team for 25 plus years. Rick Hahn, 20 plus years himself. And so... I don't know if Rocky fans know how bad the White Sox have been in that period. Yes, in that period, they have won one World Series. Since that period, they have won zero, and I mean zero, playoff series. I think individually three games they've won, one in 2008 versus the Tampa Bay Rays, one versus the Oakland Athletics in 2020 or 2020, and one versus the Houston Astros in 2021. It, and those guys have had job security all throughout there. So we were happy that Jerry Reinsdorf finally did the thing that we've wanted them to do for a long time, but also knowing that the owner is part of the problem 
of this team being bad. You bring up that Colorado Rockies series, and it's kind of maybe part of why they got fired because the 23 days since the trade deadline and then when they got fired, it's just a lot of embarrassment in there. I mean, you got the Keenan Middleton thing where he's saying that they had no rules on the White Sox. You just showed up. There was no one held accountable for anything. Then you get the Tim Anderson getting punched out thing. Um, a lot of other stories coming out about the White Sox maybe wanting to move uh, maybe to Nashville, which all us White Sox fans in Chicago were like, Chicago's 9 million people. Why would we move to a city with 1.5? That doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, losing to the Rockies, one of the worst teams in baseball, the team just <laughs> below the White Sox in the standings. And that has Yeah, the, the the Rockies obviously, you know, came into the season hoping to be at 500 if all things went great. They didn't, and so naturally, uh, they traded off their assets, and uh, and the White Sox did the same too. But their expectations were obviously a lot higher. It's why the GM uh, and the uh, one of the vice presidents in Kenny Williams was let go because of those expectations. So when you lose to a team like that, or even this weekend, uh, as as her points out, you know. Playing against the A's, who they they were built to lose, uh, point blank, uh, and you know barely able to to eke out something there was obviously you know less than ideal. Uh, and I, I we're going to ask him too, of course. Part of all of this, what's baked into it, is the fact that this team tanked. This team with Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn went out and said, "Let's actually trade a lot of our best assets to get worse," but in hopes that maybe, you know, we'll be better in the future. Now is that time. Now is that future for them to be better. And it didn't work. And now where do they go from there? Where you need to go is kind love because uh, they've been a wonderful partner for us here at DNVR. We love supporting local brands. We love the kind love cannabis. Uh, we always get a consistent, great experience when we go there. We know so many of their customers who have been going there as well that have been high on kind love. Partially because we're talking about quality, integrity, consistency, variety, and safety. That's what they are all about. It's one of the first dispensaries in Colorado established back in 2010, known for cultivating some of the highest quality cannabis in the state. They actually just launched their new infused pre-roll line, the Turbo Joint, using the same technology. Turbo Joint uh, is, is absolutely fantastic. And it's not going to be messy for you, which is great, especially in the summer with the heat. Uh, and it burns slower, and it's much more flavorful, too. So make sure you check that out at any of their stores in Cherry Creek or North Denver. You mentioned DNVR, and you're going to receive the DNVR exclusive discount of 20, 25% off all Kind Love flour, pre-rolls, and their Turbo Joint line. Or visit their website at kindlove.com for the full extensive menu and online ordering. Get this, DNVR, that code. It does now work for deliveries, and DNVR is a code that also works really great for Shady Rays. You use it, you buy a pair, you get a pair for free, give it as a gift if you would like, or simply put, you can just have two for the price of one. If you lose or break your glasses, fear not because they've got a replacement policy on that. They'll go ahead and hook you up. You can get a full refund within 30 days. Go in person if you need to the Park Meadows Mall. You're going to like it even just by looking on their website at ShadyRays.com. You'll be totally fine especially when you use that code DNVR. But if you want to see it in person, go to the Park Meadows Mall for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized shades. The shades rated five stars by over 200,000 folks. So our guy Herb here, um, 
they are in search for a general manager. And, you know, the White Sox, their situation is very similar to what the Rockies had to deal with uh, during the 2021 season uh, when GM Jeff Breidich was uh, let go or resigned. Uh, I think officially on the books, he stepped aside. Uh, but still, they needed a, a new general manager, the Rockies did in 2021. And the front office and ownership, Dick Monfort, said, hey, we're going to look outside the team. In the end, they stuck with the farm director. Uh, it's one of the reasons why the Rockies are considered to be somewhat insular. I think Jerry Reinsdorf has that same kind of reputation. Are they going to go outside the organization for these new hires? Or is Chris Getz, their assistant GM, going to get that gig and they're just going to kind of run it back and say, hey, the guys that we know, we're, we're just going to keep it that way then do something more radical and go outside the organization. Firstly, my apologies. My computer dropped off and this audio might be different because I'm not like connected to the microphone. Sorry, I hope the audio is good. good. But um, yeah, I think Jared Reinsdorf, we as White Sox fans knew that he's an insular guy and he's very loyal to a fault. So we're like, okay, he's going to hire somebody that is more he knows. So we're throwing around names around who are major league people who have experience being general managers and experience with Jerry Reinsdorf. So we're thinking Kim Ng, you know, Kim Ng is a person that was down there in Miami, worked with Jerry in the early 90s. Maybe she would be wanting to come back. Also, Mike Rizzo, the baseball operations guy in Washington, who was about to sign a extension with the Washington Nationals, even though they're getting new ownership. We're like, maybe he doesn't want to see what the new ownership is going to be be about. He knows Jerry. Jerry knows him because he started his career as a scout with the White Sox. That would be a good way for the White Sox to go. But, of course, the rumor of Chris Getz getting fancy about, I think, early on Wednesday by Bob Nightingale of USA Today just sent every White Sox fan into a fit of rage because not only is Chris Getz not qualified to be the sole baseball voice for any team, much less the White Sox, but the job he's currently in, he's not qualified for, which he's like the minor league coordinator for the White Sox. And if you've ever looked up the White Sox and the run differential, as far as all the minor leagues, they are on the bottom. Like their whole minor leagues is just crap. And we got boosted up by the trades that Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn made as far as prospects, because we traded away good veterans for decent to all right uh, prospects, which lifted our profile from the mid-20s to, I think, some people have it in the top 10, some people had it as high as 15. And so the White Sox really don't have a good minor league system, and they're going to have the guy who runs that minor league system be our general manager. And the reason why we believed is because Bob Nightingale was the one who broke the Tony La Russa news a couple of years ago. You know, when we heard that, we're like, come on, Bob, that's just ridiculous. Why would they hire an 80-year-old dude to run a baseball club <laughs> young happening? That's dumb, Bob. Ha, ha, ha. And that happened. So we know that Bob Nightingale has somebody in the White Sox here. And we thought for a long time it was just Kenny Williams. But now we know it's Tony LaRussa and then maybe also Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah, Rogue Wave Creative saying, uh, super impressed that we're talking about this. I've uh, been waiting for this discussion for about two years, at least on the Rocky side. The caveat here is, of course, the White Sox are kind of acting the same as always. Uh, to your point, Herb, there, you want to go outside. And I know uh, GM, 
former GM of the Royals. Dayton Moore has been another one of those names kind of kicked around. But I think I think what it comes down to, I see your head shaking there. Uh, what it comes down to is, is a headline Keith Law had uh, in The Athletic was just White Sox clean house. But does it change anything if Jerry Reinsdorf is still there? I think there are a couple fan bases that kind of have the same feeling that if if it, if their team you know finally starts to make some strides, it might be in spite of their owner. I know a lot of Rockies fans feel that way about owner Dick Monfort, who can be involved maybe more than than they would like, rather than just trusting in uh, the baseball people, which it seems like Jerry Reinsdorf does. He he trusts the baseball people, but who are these baseball people? Are they his buddies and pals who are very comfortable, or are they going to be people that? are striving to push the limits and do things differently uh, and, and really help the franchise. And so that's kind of my question is, is as long as Jerry Reinsdorf owns this team, is there just this worry that they're, they're just really going to be treading water uh, until something changes at the ownership level? Yes. That's what White Sox fans have been wishing for a long time. They say sell the team, but there are a couple more of the people out there that are, you know, wishing for, different things, which I don't get a part of. I'm like, I want the man to be as healthy as he can be. Same thing with Tony La Russa. I said that about last year. I was like, Tony La Russa needs to leave the White Sox. I want to be healthy because he was running to some health problems. And luckily, he's gotten off of the, um, on the other side of his uh, pacemaker uh, problems. But it also was revealed that he had a private uh, dealing with cancer too. So that's, I don't want to wish death upon the guy just to change my baseball team. I want him to wake up and say, I bought this team for $19 million. It's worth $3 billion now. Let me cash out. It's time to cash out, live my last of my years in great luxury and enjoy everything I've ever wanted to do because I know the man, the person, is not going to change. We're not going to have better things as a White Sox fan base because the person is selfish. The person doesn't want to change. And that's his prerogative as a person that owns the White Sox. He can do all that if he wants to. But as a White Sox fan, I'm going to voice my displeasure if he doesn't get somebody who actually knows what they're doing and gives them the, enough resources to do it. Mm. It was reported yeah. last year that White Sox have one of the least amount of people working in the research and development department in baseball. And you can wonder, you can see how the White Sox keep on drafting first baseman, DHs, people who can't field all the time. They keep on doing the same thing because they don't have enough people to tell the baseball people to say, don't draft that guy. He's bat only. And when his bat fails, he's going to be close to the zero replacement level, which most of the White Sox players are on this team. And so that's what Jerry Reinsdorf needs to do if he wants to be serious about winning, kind of like a Mike Illich type of thing at the end of his life, the Detroit Tigers um, owner who also ran uh, Little Caesars too. He, at the end of his life, was like, let's throw money at this thing. Let's get better. I want one last hurrah before I leave. Unfortunately for Mike, they did not win. But all Tiger fans are going to go, and when his legacy is brought up and his name is brought up, they're like, hey, Mike Illich tried. Mike Illich wanted to win, and he brought us uh, respectability. And I'm never going to say anything bad about his name. In Chicago, Jerry Reinsworth's name, even though he's won seven championships in this town, is tarnished here. Bulls fans hate him. White Sox fans hate him. Nationally, I think he's a joke. So, yeah, he needs to go and swallow his pride and just hire somebody who he knows can run baseball operations. And that person needs to demand Jerry to give him the money to improve the team because it is systemic within the White Sox, how they don't spend money on the things that matter. 
and how they don't spend any contracts. I think, uh, I don't know if people know this, but I think it's only three teams, the A's, the Royals, and the White Sox that have not signed a player for $100 million in their history ever as a free agent, not one time. And so that is behind the times. And with those other te- two teams, those are small market teams like Oakland, small market, Kansas City, small market. Chicago's huge. And I don't care if we're the second team. We're still huge. So Jerry Reinsdorf needs to wise up and get with the times because people are going to be offering like 500, 600,000. If Shoei Tiny was healthy, they'll be offering the world. And we haven't even offered them the low end of that. Yeah, I think when Benintendi signed, that was like the largest free agent deal, which was like shocking when I heard that. It's funny because as you as you say that, like, hey, throw money at the problem, and all right, thank you, we appreciate that. But it it doesn't always work. In fact, probably many times it doesn't. As you said, Illich and the Tigers doing that. We're seeing what's going on in San Diego, Stephen A. Cohen. Uh, But I I think fans of those teams at least respect those owners for doing it. But but Mm -hmm. to your point. It's not about just signing free agents. It's about really investing in the future of the franchise, the people that are kind of the foundation, analytics department, people in scouting, things of that nature. Uh, the White Sox, as you said, are kind of struggling with that. You know, the Rockies uh, have, have struggled with that in the past. They've, they've definitely addressed that to try to improve upon that. But I, I think they still have uh, some ways to go. It, it's crazy, too, that with, with the firings last week, just 24 hours the White Sox were in the news for all the wrong things, as you said, mentioning about the uh, possibly moving or needing a new stadium. It's really strange because Rob Manfred said only a couple years ago that the league needed to address the the stadium situation in Tampa and Oakland, and they've essentially done that. I know the Oakland situation, they're still working on that, and uh, they, they have a formal relocation uh, form you know that, that was uh, put in by owner John Fisher, and Tampa is kind of working on getting that new stadium there in, in St. Petersburg. But still, they needed to get those things done before relocation. And now we've got all these new stadium things going on. Milwaukee is another one of those. Chase Field is kind of in uh, disrepair there for the Diamondbacks. The Orioles and, and their owner, John Angelos, who's doing a good job of nationally being a, a very disliked owner. They want to get something new and, and, and same things for the White Sox there. It's just kind of strange. Like, I don't really know what's going on. Maybe this is all part of, uh, you know, working for a, a multi-billion dollar corporation. You say one thing and then when you get what you want, you go, we still actually want a little bit more. Yeah, and the thing about guaranteed rate field with the White Sox play, it's not that old. I mean, the Orioles no. stadium, year older or year younger than the guarantee rate. Actually, the blueprints for Oriole Park were given to Jerry Reinsdorf initially, and he rejected them out of hand. He wanted to be more like Kauffman Stadium at the time and uh, Yankee Stadium. Oops. He wanted the ballpark to look like that, and he got his wish. It's just a bland stadium. It's terrible. But <laughs> yeah. there's nothing structurally wrong with guaranteed rate field. Like, there's no repairs that need to be made. It's a fine ballpark if you just want to go and watch baseball. You'll have an enjoyable time. But it is not bells and whistles necessarily. Good food, good drinks. But it's not course. It's not Oracle. It's not PNC or Petco. Those type of ballparks that you want to go and see because they're destination places and beautiful show places for baseball. So it's more of a ploy like Jerry did back in the early or late 80s, early 90s, where he said, I'm going to move. I'm going to move to Tampa. At the time, there's no Tampa Bay Rays. It was just an open place, and the White Sox had their spring training down there in Sarasota, Florida. He used that as a ploy to get the money from the Illinois State Board, and the governor himself, Jim Thompson, who was a big-time White Sox fan at the time, 
they ran a legislation through to get the money for the guaranteed rate, which at the time was called Comiskey Park Number Two, and got that built within uh, like three years. And pretty much Jerry Ryan's has had a sweetheart of a deal since then because he used the ploy of "I'm going to move the stadium, I'm going to move the team from a, this city to a different st- uh, state," and they came. Us voters and us uh, and the political climate is much different. We understand that these guys are billionaires now. We are not mm-hmm. going to do that. So him using Nashville against the White Sox won't work this time because we're much smarter and we know the the, the numbers. We know it's not going to work down in Nashville. So he needs to move on to the next thing and try to get a stadium built with his own dollars or some private funding because the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago won't pay for a stadium, especially a stadium that was built in 1991. We're not Texas. We're not Arizona. We're not going to be discussing those things. We're not Atlanta, who has built a stadium since and then built another stadium since the guarantee rate has been open. So it is one of the oldest stadiums in baseball, like I think in the top 10, but it's not mm-hmm. decrepit. It's it's fine. It works. Yeah, voters are definitely smart enough now to know to not uh, not vote for those kind of things and give away free money. Uh, I know you know part of the roster issue right now for looking ahead to 2024 seems like there's a lack of leadership. There's not a ton of free agents, so pretty much everybody's going to come back. I'm really curious if Tim Anderson's going to come back. Uh, he does have a $14 million option with a million-dollar buyout, and you say, well, a guy that good, you take your chance on him. It's probably a down year, but do you pick up his option and then trade him? Do you think Tim Anderson will cease being a White Sox player in 2024? I do not believe so. They will, I think, 95% pick up his option because multiple reasons. Bad year, off-the-field stuff happened to Tim, and his on-the-field stuff was terrible this year. So they're thinking uh, contract year next year, he'll perform at his peak, we'll get premium Tim. And if we need to trade him, we'll trade him at the deadline in 2024. So they'll pick him up pick up his option. And then, yes, like you said, they will maybe entertain if somebody comes to them real and with a deal to trade them. But the only thing the White Sox, as I go back to the minor league thing with Chris Getz, they don't have anybody behind him immediately. Colson Montgomery is the 17th ranked prospect in some, and ESPN with Kyler McDaniel, he's the number two prospect uh, in Major League Baseball. But he's probably a year, year and a half away from being a Major League ready uh shortstop he's really tall 6'4 and most people think he'll eventually be a third baseman so he's not in the plans for 2024 and they have really no one else behind him a bunch of middle infielders who are triple a who are ultimately 4a players they don't want to go into next year with one of those guys as the people tim anderson is important to the white Sox. before this year in 2022 he was the starting shortstop for the american league so he has recent success his precipitative drop-off from that height and the height of hitting the walk-off home run at the Field of Dreams game has been amazing and sad in the same uh, same vein. So I think they're going to bring him back with the hopes of him bouncing back to his all-star form in 2022. And then if he is good then and the White Sox are still not competing, his price will be a little higher on the trade market, especially for a two-month rental. They can get some more value out of him next year than they would get from him either at the trade deadline that just passed us or in the offseason this year. Because I think teams are going to be operating with the thought of this is Tim Anderson who showed up in 2023. And not wrong of them to do that, but I would be I would if I was the White Sox, whoever the general manager going to be, I'm like, I'm not trading 2023 Tim Anderson for 2023 23 prices. 
I'm looking for 2022 prices or maybe even a bounce back 2024 prices because you're going to get a lot more from that player. And then, yeah, if they want to entertain him getting traded in 2024 uh, at the trade deadline. I think most White Sox fans are ready to move on. They have soured on him. I'm not, you know, 100% soured on him. But some of the things he has said, I don't even care about his off the field stuff because I don't, that's not my business. Some people are really, really interested in his off the field business, but he has uh, done a couple things on the field where I'm like, hey, that's not Tim. That's not how you play baseball. And he's made a lot of errors on the field where it's not the player we need at shortstop, not the leader we need on the team. And we built this whole team around him, as they used to say, as Tim goes, the team goes. And that was, you couldn't see that more than this year. He had the worst year of his career and the White Sox are having one of the worst years in their history this year. Yeah, it's been rough. Before we let you go here, do have to ask as a, as a big White Sox fan, it's a weird spot to be in right now. Fourth worst record in the game. You have uh, Rockies, uh, White Sox have one of the easiest schedules remaining. Rockies have one of the, the hardest schedules remaining. So losing a ton of games going forward here is probably not going to be too hard, but could be a little bit harder for the White Sox again with, with some easier opponents. How do you approach losing games and, and hoping in a sense that, you know, your team moves up to the 28th best in MLB so that they can be one of those top three teams or rather bottom three teams in next year's MLB draft lottery, where again, teams with the three worst records have a 16.5% chance of getting the first overall pick. How, how do you navigate that of like, well, you know what? Losing is better. So in a way let's, let's get our teeth kicked in a little bit during this final month of the season. But you also, you never really want your teeth kicked in. What, what's your approach on, uh, on fanning when it comes to that? Well, right now we are, don't care about wins at all. Only person in the White Sox that cares about wins is the manager, Pedro Grofull. He mm -hmm. said that he's not going to sacrifice major league wins for development. For a team that's 28 games, I don't know how many games, under 500 right now, that was one of the dumbest statements I've ever heard. We watch these games to just see who is going to be with us in 2024 and beyond and see how they're doing, how they can progress, because we're giving way too much time to players like Trace Thompson. He's playing right field over a rookie sometimes, Oscar Colas. It just makes no sense. Oscar Colas should play every game unless he needs a, a breather. Same thing with second base where they're playing Elvis Andres a lot instead of playing a player like Lenny Soso, who I think you guys saw there too, hit a home run late game, uh, three-run home run. He's young, powerful second baseman that really strikes out a lot. So we just want to see him refine his tools and maybe not be the 4A player that I called him earlier. But we know Alessandro's not going to be on the team next year. Stop playing him. That's what we're looking for. And if they lose throughout those, I'm fine with it because it doesn't really matter. If we get that top three, uh, one of those top three seats, which put us on equal footing for the MLB draft lottery percentages, baby, that'll be awesome. That'll be the, the best thing that it comes out of this. And, you know, hopefully there is a player. I know there's not an equivalent player to what Connor Bedard is in, with the Blackhawks. There might not be one ever, but we can get a player that is really, really good and needs some development in our minor league system. And we get the first choice of that player who that can be, but knowing the White Sox, they'll pick the wrong player. And then the <laughs> second, third team will get the good generational talents and develop them correctly. Oh, Herb, hang in there, man. We'll, we'll talk to you plenty more this, uh, this off season. Best of luck. Be well, be safe. Thanks for joining us. Go ahead and plug away too, uh, for let, let folks know where they can find you at. 
can follow me on Twitter. It's Ecknerwall23. That's just Lawrence spelled backwards, my last name, and 2-3 for Robin Ventura or Chris Bryant, my other favorite player. <laughs> um, but uh, you can follow us on CHGO White Sox, the CHGO underscore White Sox on Twitter. So I'll be, we're there every post game. We'll be talking about the White Sox losing to Baltimore Orioles tonight. And you're doing it the All City Network way, so it's obviously fun. Even if you're not a fan of the White Sox, jump in. They oh, have man. a great time. Yeah. You'll love it. Yeah, we're not talking. And in these post games, we don't talk about the game anymore. The game is set there. <laughs> we, talk about, we talk about how uh, this White Sox team is embarrassing us, how they can be less embarrassing. And then we play a couple games. we got our top five, like you guys do, uh, White Sox players uh, tonight. And so uh, we're doing the top 25 uh, athletes of Chicago for the whole network. And then within the White Sox, we're going to do some top five lists for the actual White Sox team. It's fun. That's fun, Herb. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a good day. Thanks. Man, he's, he's going to have a good day if we send him some Breck Brew Mountain Beach Sour. Um, all he's got to do is go to breckbrew.com, type in the zip, and you'll find out where you can get Breck Brew near you. Breck Brew Locator. It's fantastic. And you get the Mountain Beach Sour. That's the beer of the month, man. Aroma's a fresh pineapple, thirst-quenching sour. Vacation in a can, or as we say here, at the bar, where diehards get 15% off food and drink. It's a party in a pint. It's exactly what it is. So as Herb mentioned, we got the DNVR ranks. And so today, for at least our show, again, all throughout uh, DNVR and, and all City Network, we got the top 25 athletes in Denver, the four major sports. That's going to be rolling out all week. And yes, there are Rockies on there. You didn't see one yet today, 21 through 25. You didn't see one. But I guarantee you, there are several, to say the least. But each show this week in the Rockies, we'll have our own little top five list. Our top five today is the five greatest defunct minor league affiliates. It's Minor League Monday. So let's dive into that. Again, we're not going to use nicknames like Tulsa Drillers. They are still active. We're going to take a look at these. We'll get, we'll get some uh, feedback, too, from Super Producer Tiff. Yeah, number you tell five. me where we want to start. Yeah, so let's start with number five, Salem Avalanche. Now, this is they are in Salem, Virginia. They're still around today, in a sense. They're the Salem Red Sox, but uh, they used to be the Salem Avalanche, which wild is they started in 1995. So this actually predates the Colorado Avalanche. Rockies had an affiliate called the Salem Avalanche, and it's a cool logo too. It's an avalanche of baseballs, right? Yeah, I like it. That's a, that's a good hat. Again, so, a lot of these you aren't going to be able to get anywhere else. You, you just won't be able to find them. So best of luck if you can find a retro like that. That's pretty good. All right, what do you think about number four, the New Britain Rock Cats? This was a double-A affiliate for one year, 2015, the year before the Hartford Yard Goats. So again, precursor to them, Trevor Story, David Dahl played there. They've got a lot of different alternate kind of logos. What What do you think about this vibe? Is it? I like this one. It's I've, pretty good. I've never seen really anything like it, so I like how it's kind of like jazzy. It reminds me of the uh, Aristocats, the Disney oh. movie. You know, it does kind of have almost like a Disney type amusement park feel. The cap with the NB. It's hard to even make out what that is, yeah. but I think it's supposed to be a, an NB. Yeah. And then in the bottom left hand corner, they have like one that looks like Elvis. They even had a, a logo that it was basically that like Elvis figure and he was bending down on the microphone and his body made the shape of like an N and a B together. That's weird. Very abstract. Hard to kind of pinpoint that. Uh, number three. So I did a list like this. February of 2022, you can go back. A lot more long-winded, more details about all these. And the list is slightly different, but for number three, the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, 
longtime AAA affiliate for the Rockies from 93 to 2014. This was their more recent one or going to a red, white, and blue. It was okay. Uh, I like this. This was the the heyday in the 90s. And Dwayne Brown, our guy uh, on DNVR Rapids. Downtown great, Dwayne Brown. Yeah, a.k.a. Downstairs Dwayne Brown. Uh, he didn't <laughs> doesn't remember that one. I think that was only a nickname for about a day because he's got to go downstairs to, to do the show. But he pointed out that the Rocky Mountain Vibes, which they still play down in Colorado Springs, independent team, but still they will bust out. I think on Saturdays, the, the green, black, and white Sky Sox jerseys. And they're amazing. I mean, Todd Helton there, you see, uh, rocking that. And that's kind of the history going back. The first one in the top left corner, they're the Colorado Springs Millionaires. Because back in the day, used to be millionaires would be uh, would flock out to, to Colorado. Kind of similar now to people in California coming out. Uh, the one where it says uh, it's got the number 18 on the bottom left-hand corner. That was back when they were originally an affiliate with Cleveland because they were uh, AAA from 1988 to 1992. So that means Colorado actually had two AAA teams here uh, in our state. And then, of course, in 93, those ones. couldn't couldn't use that anymore. Yeah, here's the photo, actually, that Dwayne ended up sharing. I was so geeked. I did go to VibesBaseball.com. I think that's the website. They do sell the jersey. They have a flex fit cap, which I don't mess with, but you can get a fitted cap. You can get a, a jersey like that. Again, super hard to come by. Do you like that? You don't see a green, black, and white combination that much, yeah, do you, Tiff? I know. I like that. I like. I think it's clean. Looks. All right, we clean. we looked at this one last week, actually, and I know you were kind of digging it. Also, a double A team from Connecticut. Again, not the Yard Goats. They're still around. These are defunct. It's the New Haven Ravens from '94 to '98. Pinstripe white cap. What? I'm a sucker for that blue color. So any anytime any team uses that color, I'm very on board it pops and you've got the raven as part of that i think that logo still sticks around for like a college team like division two it still exists in in some capacity but great logo again it had had a good run for about five seasons they actually play baseball at george hw bush field uh, named after the 41st president and a really good first baseman in college who played at yale so i mean um uh, that, that's no pretty idea. neat yeah. Fun fact. He was a good, very good ball player. Uh, they actually went to postseason two years. I think Todd Helton was with them for one of those. Uh, and then finally, number one. Have you had you seen this one before, Tiff? Have you seen this logo yet? We touched on it. We did touch on it. But number one, all time, Casper Ghosts. So it originally started out, as you can see in the logo, top left corner. They were the Casper Rockies. Great. Boom. You could, you could. Take a, a maybe an hour and a half drive up to uh, Casper. It might be further than that, actually. But they played there for about seven years as the Casper Rockies. And then in 2018, they rebranded to the Casper Ghosts. There you see uh, Trevor Story, uh, a rock in the ghost jersey, where it was like black, silver, and then like uh, almost a dirt color, which was uh, pretty neat. Now that logo, they, uh, they had a cap. They had a version of that where it actually would glow in the dark. That's cool. So is that like plastic, white plastic yeah. material that almost had like a tinge of green to it? But from a distance, it looked white. You turn the lights off, it glows in the dark. So incredibly hard to come by. They got the vest there. You see Trevor Story, super young, right out of high school, playing ball <laughs> there. Like Mike Lansing Field. He looks like a baby. Yeah. Doesn't have the, the stubble or anything like that. Yeah. So um, never, never got sued by Harvey Comics, who owns the Casper the Friendly Ghost uh, name there. So Well, and I mean, he doesn't look very friendly. Like no, the ghost that, doesn't look friendly, so I think that's probably where they were like, I think we're good. That's right. And it's ghosts, <laughs> it's plural. It's not 
Casper. It's not a series of Casper the Friendly Ghosts. It's just ghosts from Casper. Casper ghosts. Yes, a lot scarier there. Um, So those are our top five defunct. Tomorrow on Tuesday's show at at 1 o'clock with Susie, we'll break down the greatest rookie seasons in Rockies history. Wednesday, the greatest MVP performers. Sunday, greatest uniforms in Rockies history. They've had more than just like a couple, believe it or not. A lot of different combinations that you might not even know about uh, or even realize. So we'll we'll have that going on all week. Shout out to the, the kids from El Segundo, California. They won the Little League World Series. That was a great game yesterday. Curacao had a grand slam to tie it in the fifth inning, which is the second to last inning there uh, in the in the Little League World Series. And then a walk-off ca- a home run for California to win it all. So Jerks and Profart, not a great day. Got released, and uh, the team from his uh, hometown in Willemstead, Colorado, uh, did get uh, knocked out. Uh, but, hey, they were the best team internationally. This Atlanta series is going to be a good one. Bryce Elder, 10-4 and four with a 3-3-9 ERA. Going against Austin Gomber here on Monday. Tuesday, we got Peter Lambert against Charlie Morton, the veteran, with his 3-3-7 ERA. And then it's to be determined on Wednesday. Freeland's going to go for the Rockies. Spencer Strider could go. That would be pretty cool to see Quadzilla hurling. They might push him back a little bit, maybe go to the next series. Do they want to have a bullpen day? Uh, they might be uh, they might be slacking on, on the Rockies a little bit, saying we don't need to throw our ace on Wednesday. So we'll kind of wait and see what happens, but it's going to be a really interesting series. As we talked about it on Sunday, so many former Rockies going to be in that, that dugout, some hurt, some coaches, some active, but a lot of Rockies with Atlanta. And we're looking forward to catching up with all of those guys on Twitter. We want to catch up with you uh, on Twitter uh, at DNVR underscore Rockies at Patrick D lions is where I can be located. Tiff, go ahead and let people know. Because you got your takes there on uniforms. You're doing it on the hockey side as well. Let folks know oh, yeah. where they Herb can was, also uh, Herb was speaking my up. language earlier. It's uh, <laughs> Tiffany, T-I-F-F-A-N-I underscore Tano, T-A-N-O. I love that. Reach out to us. Thanks for the momentum. We appreciate that, Tiff, giving us your feedback there uh, on the jerseys. But unfortunately, that momentum, sometimes it's not enough. It's only as good as the next show, as we say here in the business. But Thankfully, it's going to be a good one tomorrow at 1 p.m. on the DNVR DNVR Sports Channel right here live on YouTube.